It's children's church time. So the kids can go. And while they're going, I would like to thank you parents who let us talk with your children, share stories with them, words of encouragement, something that they can learn, um, smiles and, and uh, time together. Those are important for little kids, just like they are for us. <clears throat> I've met many of you, but there's more out um, in the group this morning than I've met before. So again, my name is Dale Crozy, and I've been here for two years at Maranatha, and it's been a, a real joy to be here. I've uh, enjoyed the company of all of you and others, and it's like a family place to me, and that's how I'm approaching it today. Uh, in a little bit, we're going to be looking at our scripture passage, First uh, Thessalonians 5, so I'd encourage you to locate a Bible and to uh, open it to First Thessalonians 5. I'd like to give you my testimony, my story. Uh, when I was young, my grandmother took me to church. My parents didn't want to have anything to do with church, so Grandma Ethel took me. And uh, I went with her Sunday school. Often we went and we stayed for the service afterwards. So I was uh, familiar walking in and out of the church. About that same time, I also was in Boy Scouts, and I uh, was the one that had the worst foul language in the whole troop. Not, not the claim to fame that I thought I would have. And uh, I, I'm telling Joel this morning that I think I have figured out where I learned it from. But suffice it to say that I had the bad language, and it was uh, uh, often something folks talked about. About that same time, I was warned that I would probably go to prison someday. I had an anger, I had a temper, and they thought that I would probably go to prison because it's something that I did to a person. So um, it's kind of strange that those things happened and I was doing that, but yet I could go to church and I could attend classes called confirmation classes, and those classes were a Christian education class. They were a step above the Sunday school class. I, I learned that Christ died. I learned that... that uh, there is a church history. A lot of people wrote parts of the Bible and so forth. I learned facts. And uh, in that confirmation class at the end, they had us sit down. I think it was about a half a dozen of us that were in the class. And we sat down with, it seems like, three elder men. And they asked us questions. And so they'd ask me a question. They'd ask someone else a question. And I'd give the right answer. And so I passed, but I didn't really know much about Christ. As far as a personal friend and savior, I didn't think that he was all that important to me. I'd, I'd made it through the class. I had some 
had smarts, but I, I really didn't have any kind of trust that I'd put in him. I didn't imagine probably that I'd ever have that sort of thing. Um, but in 1978, after hearing a series of special sermons at our church in Duluth, Minnesota, um, messages were, it seemed like he kept talking to me and he really got under my skin, this person bothering me with uh, things that seemed just to be talking about me. I, of course, now can look and I can say, well, there was surely all of these other hundred people in the church, but this man talked to me. And at the end of it, uh, I decided that I would take Christ at his word and I would ask him to save me and to make a change in my life from what it was like before. So since then, it has been 40 years of uh, growing, sometimes slowly, sometimes a little quicker, and uh, growing to trust him more, to have him in my life, and to uh, help me to see how to uh, grow from the, the broken condition that I was in into one that's uh, more like Christ. And so if you'd like to talk with me either about my Christian experience or you'd like to talk with uh, pastors or elders, please feel free to do that. I encourage it. Uh, don't wait a long time. There's uh, opportunity for you to have a changed life and it's uh, important that you take a step like that. Well, the title of my message is, Does Encouragement Matter? And the answer is yes. And so what we're going to talk about today are some passages that uh, will tell you that for sure, and also uh, some stories that I'll share from my personal experience and, and uh, what I know about. And hopefully at the end of that, you'll want to be encouraged yourself and you will encourage others. Um, as I look down to you today, I see so many friends and family that I know that I'm going to say somebody's name here today. And the reason for that is because your name is important to you and I want to learn it so I can say it. And in this family that we have here at Maranatha, you're close. So, like I can look over at Ted and I'll see Ted and I'll say, and this is what I remember because of Ted and Frank and so forth and Ron. I'll look around and there's Ron, he just jumped. It, just, it wasn't a big jump, but it was enough that I know, I want you to know that as I say your name, it's because I appreciate you and we have connected. And that's the way it is in the family. When you connect, you're important, and it's, an, it's a, a really good thing. So uh, don't take it wrong. Also, don't take it wrong if I forget your name for a moment. I'm still learning. In, in two years, there's a, a lot of people that you meet and uh, you've learned, but, but still, it's... Uh, something like that. So I could say your name today and that's your warning. Well, learning to ride a bike is something that probably all of us have done. So with a quick showing of hands, how many have learned to ride a bike? Look at that. 
Look at that. It's, I think it's got to be across the whole board. Well, we usually learn with the help of someone, don't we? And that help might be from a brother or sister. It might be from a mother, father, uh, grandpa, grandma, aunt or uncle. And I look at that picture and I, I see a guy and he reminds me so much of Jeremy. Might be the beard. So we, uh, we learn to ride a bike and someone to teach us. And it might go something like this if you didn't have training wheels. First, the person says that they know how much fun it is to ride a bike and that they'll teach us and help us and they know we'll be able to ride just fine. They lift us up and they set us first on the seat and then the hands are placed on the handlebars and the feet go on the pedals and when we're already in our right places, they push us forward and they push us for maybe 20 feet, maybe 30 feet to wherever they get tired and they think that we are actually balanced and pedaling and doing our part and they take their hands off the bike and they say, you're doing it. So now say it with me, you're doing it. Very good. And for us, our world got a lot bigger, didn't it? It was kind of small before. It was maybe six blocks in town that we would walk. But when you get out uh, in the country, if you were, before you rode your bike, maybe you rode a half a mile or walked a half a mile. But after you learned to ride that bike, you could go six miles. It's not unreasonable. Your world got a lot bigger because you learned to ride the bike and you put trust in that bike to hold you up, and the people said they'd help you, so it was all good, and you gave it a try, and you're so glad that you did. Well, our lesson today is based on 1 Thessalonians 5, and so I'd like you to turn with me there if you haven't already, and we'll read it. Verses 9 to 24. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you're doing. Now we ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle. Encourage the timid. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always try to be kind with each other and to everyone else. Be joyful always. Be continually praying. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Don't put out the Spirit's fire. Don't treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything. Hold on to the good. Avoid every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, Sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, 
and he'll do it. In a little bit, we're going to read also from Acts chapter 15. If you'd like to turn there, you'll be ready when I get there. In my New International Bible, I uh, looked in Bible Gateway, which is uh, my go-to place online, uh, and I, I looked in there 54 places where we read about the word encourage or encouragement or encouraged. And I'm sure many of you have raced ahead in your mind right now and you've wondered, how many of those 54 verses will Dale talk about today? Well, four. I'm going to focus just on four of those verses so uh, you can be comforted in that. The first point in my message today is that encouragement can be found across all of Scripture. So we see that encouragement is scriptural. And... That verse uh, that is on the screen, verse 11, is in a passage that I'm going to read over. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you're doing. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Uh, make sure that... Wait. Encourage the disheartened, help the weak, and be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what's good for each other and for everyone else. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now we can see here that there were, uh, in 54 passages throughout the Bible, um, many who wrote about encouragement. They included Moses and David, Luke and Paul. Well, when we encourage others, we are following a biblical pattern spanning all of biblical history. Now, in Acts 15, we're going to focus on verse 32. And it reads, Judas and Silas, who themselves were prophets, said much to encourage and strengthen the believers. Now the whole passage of this comes from the letter from the council at the main church to the Gentile believers. And it reads as this way. With them they sent the following letter. So you're looking over the shoulder, you're reading this letter. The apostles and elders, your brothers to the Gentile believers in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. Greetings. We've heard that some went out from us without authorization and disturbed you, troubling your minds by what they said. So we all agreed to choose some men and sent them to you with our dear friends Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we're sending Judas and Silas to confirm by word of mouth what we are writing. 
It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. You're to abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from blood, from meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. You'll do well to avoid these things. Farewell. The men, of, the men were sent off and went down to Antioch, where they gathered the church together and delivered the letter. The people read it and were glad for its encouraging message. Judas and Silas, who themselves were prophets, said much to encourage and strengthen the brothers. After spending some time there, they were sent off by the brothers with the blessing of peace to return to those who had sent them. But Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch where they and many others taught and preached the word of the Lord. Well, Judas and Silas were like watermarks to confirm that what was written was true. Watermarks, we see those on our money. Uh, a $5 bill, a $10 bill, a $20 bill has many things to help you know that it's true. You'll see red text, you'll see the face, you may see an eagle in the background, maybe numbers like fives or tens or twenties. Those are all things that are made to confirm that what you've been given or what you have in your hand is the true thing. It's a piece of money that you can use. I can give it to Zachary, Zachary can spend it, or he can give it to Frank, it can go through this room. Those are all things which help you know that it's true. And uh, we can see that encouragement builds strength. These people stayed in the body. It builds strength of an individual person and of the church body. And we gain power and confidence to live for God when we um, encourage or are encouraged. By doing that, we are better able to withstand Satan's pressure and attacks. Our next verse this morning comes from Deuteronomy 1, verse 38. We see, but your assistant, Joshua, son of Nun, will enter it. Encourage him because he'll lead Israel to inherit it. The situation is one in which the Israelites are about to enter the land, but Moses isn't going to keep leading them as he had been doing in the past. Instead of Moses, Joshua was going to be the new leader for this nation on the move. From this, I see encouragement is needed for leaders and for workers, co-workers, brothers and sisters in the pew who live for Christ in their jobs and in their other activities. Encouragement is needed. Imagine for a bit that you're a teaching leader. Maybe you're a pastor like Thad, or an elder like Joel, or a ministry leader like Deanne, and that some good discontent has come up from something that's been said, said with the mouth, said in writing, or maybe it wasn't said, maybe a thanks wasn't received, and you felt discontented. Uh, maybe something was done or not done, and you were disappointed. Well, Without positive encouragement and words from others, they sound negative and discouraging. And those discouraging words can pile up 
they can pile up to the point where people can get discouraged enough to stop being in ministry. They can stop caring for others. We don't want that. Judges chapter 20, verse 22 is the final scripture that we're going to look at today. But the Israelites encouraged one another and again took up their positions where they had stationed themselves the first day. So the first day they're talking about there is a day of battle. This was a time when Israel needed to fight the Benjaminites because something bad had been done to a woman. That first day didn't go well. A lot of people died on the Israel's side. So they went to the Lord and they said, should we go to battle again? Should we do what we just did? And the Lord said, yes. So at that point, you're seeing this verse, the Israelites encouraged one another and again took up their positions where they had stationed themselves in the battle the first day. So they had fought, it hadn't gone well, they talked with the Lord, then they went back into the battle after encouraging themselves. From this verse, I think we can see that encouragement can go two ways, both ways. We can see at Maranatha examples of that. For example, there's small groups, and I think Greg mentioned that. Small groups, they're happening soon. I'm encouraging, if you're not part of one, to think about it, to join them. There are places where if you come into the service or to the group and you're hurting, you need help, you can tell it, and people will care about you, they will pray for you, they will support you. Um, It might be that uh, maybe you know that right now during this worship service there are people praying in the building. They're praying for you sitting there. They're praying for John and Libby and Missy and Dita, who did the worship music time. Uh, Obviously, they're praying for me right now because I'm here and I need a lot of prayer. And uh, so they're praying, and and at the same time, you're praying for each other. So there's a a two-direction part of this that I want you to realize that our prayer, our encouragement can go more than one direction. And... uh, It's really important that as we do things, as we do our ministry activities, as we live our lives together, that we pray for each other and we let people know so that we can be prayed for too. Well, now I have some some stories to tell. I told you I'd be doing that. About 35 years ago, we were living in western Kansas. It was a small town of about 20,000 people. Uh, it was on the interstate, it's called Hayes, and it was about halfway between Kansas City and Denver, and uh, Scott talked about the uh, eclipse, Hayes is probably in a pretty good place to see as much or more of the eclipse tomorrow, and uh, another thing about that area is that it was in the middle of an oil field, or an oil patch, they sometimes called it down there, and in the oil patch, You had what you've probably seen as you've traveled around the country, oil wells on the surface, 
the ones that look like uh, little dinosaurs or cooties that move their heads up and down. This, this oil field was about 80 miles across, and it, Hayes was about in the center of it. And being in about the center, there were lots of businesses that had to do with oil field operations because they had to get to the oil, they had to put the pump on top, they had to bring the oil up and separate the water out of it and deal with the gas and so forth. Uh, all kinds of things were related to the oil field and the people there, many, many people were involved in the production of that oil, the hauling away, the pipeline, the um, treating of the materials and so forth. Well. Marlis at that time was in a group called Christian Women's Club, and you might have heard of that here. There's uh, local groups in the Christian Women's Club organization that get together and um, share stories about their lives and give a testimony as to what Christ has done, and then they often do things like was done in Kansas that they would have Bible studies. Well, there was a lady who went to a Christian women's meeting and she trusted Christ for her salvation. And that lady had sisters and she had friends and she talked to them. And so it was a little bit like that uh, game where you start a story and you pass it to the next person and it goes on and on. And in this case, it was a story of Christ's salvation and what it made for a difference in that first person's life. So she told her sisters and she told her friends and some of them decided that yes, they were ready to trust Jesus. And some of those then talked with Marlis and said, we'd like to have a couple's Bible study. And they asked if we would uh, be part of that. And if I remember right, it was a, a study on the book of Mark and we, were part of it, and because women invited women to the Bible study, and I was involved with Marlis, the other men were willing to participate, and so you had a couple's Bible study where we looked at the Bible and we talked about Christ, and that was uh, a very good uh, thing for me to be involved in. Well. It was also good in a place where in the oil field, it can be a rough place. There can be lots of things said, the language, the behavior. You can imagine mechanical things, all kinds, made it a hard place to work and to live. But um, through the, the Bible study and so forth, uh, lives were changed even in a rough culture. A few, few years later, when we moved here, I often took uh, trips to southwest Iowa. I went to where our operations center was. I worked for uh, an electric utility, and the uh, operations center had linemen and substation technicians and radio technicians and others that worked with the power lines, the poles, the wires, all of those kind of things. And that's kind of rough work. Again, you've got mechanical things, you've got systems. Um, they'd get together in the morning, they'd tell stories, maybe they'd lie, maybe they'd brag, 
The language was often bad. Well, I found that when I was there, and I had been a Christian for a number of years then when we were there, that when they'd start swearing or they'd start to go and tell a story that just wasn't uplifting, that I would feel this, I need to be belong. I need to say a word like that. I need to feel part of it. So I learned pretty quickly that if I wasn't very, very careful, I was going to be swearing, I was going to be telling a story or something like that, and my, my witness for the Lord Jesus would be hurt. Now, if I'd had somebody alongside me at that point who had trusted Jesus, cared about him, read their Bible, it would have been a lot easier for me. So that's a, a story from my past that showed me how important it is to have a person alongside you who can encourage you and hold you up. Well, uh, life can be hard, and it's um, one that we've talked about this summer. Pastor Aaron has given us a set of messages from Elijah, and in Elijah, his experience, it involved a, a, a race, it involved talking with uh, Queen Jezebel, and things didn't go well. And that was a month ago that he gave us a lesson on uh, July 16th, and his passage was from First Kings 19, and it was verses 1 to 21. I don't expect those of you that were here at that time to remember all of it, uh, because it's easy to forget some details soon after you hear them. I know that soon you'll forget much of what I say, but I hope you'll remember some things, and uh, among them will be that Christ is important and that you should encourage and be encouraged when you're here. Uh, so we talked about this time that Aaron spoke to us, and he ran 20 miles, he outran Ahab and the chariot, and he talked to Queen Jezebel, and it, it didn't go well. She was not happy to hear from him. So he got a hostile reception was the first point that Pastor Aaron gave us. His second point was that Elijah had a fearful retreat. And there were several things that um, showed you what his retreat was like. He had the conversation, and then he pulled back. And it was marked with fear and isolation despair, self-pity, he was uh, short memory, he didn't remember all the good things, so he had selective memory, felt apathy and indifference. Maybe some of that even is happening for you this morning. Well, the third point was about God's restorative grace. He restored him through nourishment and rest and strength and revelation Vision, clarity, and hope. Those were things that God gave to restore Elijah, to build him back up. Well, in a group this big, uh, people might have come through the doors this morning with physical or emotional pain, suffering from broken relationships or suffering from broken trust, maybe burdened with financial struggles, to name a few possibilities. Maybe you did. Maybe someone near you in the pew did. Um, 
And some here would probably really like to hear some uh, or experience something really positive today. I hope you'll be part of that. I hope that you can pour encouragement into the lives of others and that you'll say something positive to someone before you leave today. When I turned 50, I learned to ride a motorcycle. I bought an old motorcycle. It was inexpensive. I thought, if I get this motorcycle and this doesn't pan out, I can let it go. I won't have wasted much money. So I learned to ride a motorcycle. I went to classes. And they were at Kirkwood College. And the teacher uh, gave us a key idea to try to hold on to when we would go in slow turns. Most of the time you go fast and straight and the motorcycle actually holds itself up. But if you try to turn very tightly and slowly, there's a problem. And the problem is that if you look down, you will fall down. If you look down, you fall down. And uh, also the teacher um, was explaining then that we need to look forward and up because when we do that, it keeps us focused this way as opposed to beginning to look over here and, and tipping down. Once you tip a motorcycle, it goes pretty quickly. Um, when we encourage others and others encourage us in the walk of becoming less of a broken person and more of a Christ-like uh, person, we help each other avoid bad choices and bad situations. When we steer our life with good Christ-honoring choices, we usually enjoy better situations and relationships. That message of looking up and looking forward applies to us as we live the Christian life. My motorcycle training also had another thing going with it, and that's it's not a matter of if you will have a crash or an accident, but when you will have your crash or accident. Um, that was very sobering to me, and uh, that's because people in cars usually miss seeing the motorcycle or the person that's riding it. This teacher strongly encouraged us to wear helmets and protection. I made a decision to believe them when they said that. Uh, I should wear protection and body coverings. These are things like the helmets, the coat, the leather chaps, gloves, and boots. And they're very hot on hot summer days, but I think I should believe them. I should trust them. And so I do wear them. I've owned two motorcycles now. That first one I started with, and then another one. And uh, I've fallen with each of them. I haven't had crashes in terms of a car, but I've fallen with them. And uh, I've learned some things out of that, as you might imagine. The first time that I fell, I was going slowly on a dirt road. And I was going, and about the distance from myself to my family, I suddenly realized that the road was rutted. And I was going into the ruts, and I mentioned earlier about if you go fast, the motorcycle holds itself up, 
Well, even somewhat slow, it tends to go in this straight line, and in front of me were these ruts. And I thought for just that brief moment, oh, this is not going to go well. And I rode right into the rut, and I was trying to control it, and it laid over on top of me. So there I was underneath the motorcycle with it on top of me. I wasn't badly hurt. I had that protection I talked to you about. And using the skills I learned in the class, I was able to get out from underneath it, and I was able to stand it up by myself because I was alone. But it was hard for me to do. I stand before you, not very tall, not very strong, and it would have been much easier with a helper. It would have uh, been a lot better if someone could have helped me. Well, when you help someone, when you encourage someone, it's like you walked up to me underneath that 600-pound motorcycle and you helped lift it off me and you helped me stand it up. Um, there's a carpentry term called sistering that fits well today. And this picture is what a sistering project looks like. What you're doing right now is, imagine for a moment, you're down in the basement of Maranatha and you're looking up at the ceiling. You see those big white boards, the, the ones going acrosswise, and the floor that we stand on are the ones that are going kind of from the front to the back left corner. Sister boards are these red ones, reddish-orange ones that are here. And it's a method where a weakened or damaged board like that is restored by putting a new strong board or two alongside it. We see them here. The sister boards and the weak boards are usually pressed tightly together, and they're bolted. And when they do that, they act together. The sister board no longer carries, I mean, the original board no longer carries all the load. The three of them together carry the load. It's shared. And the weakened board is no longer crushed by the weight that's put on it. Well, this is a visual for what happens here at Maranatha. In women's Bible studies, in women's ministry meetings, women's retreats, women stand right alongside women and they provide support and encouragement. As we approach the finish line, I want to go over the main points to be sure that you've gotten them all. And encouragement is scriptural. We see that in 1 Thessalonians. We can see encouragement building strength in the body, in a person. We see that from Acts 15. We see that encouragement is needed, Deuteronomy 138. And we see that encouragement can go two ways. It can go both ways, Judges 20, verse 22. Well, we make a lot of choices all day long. We can choose between, on one hand, grumbling or complaining or being silent. Or, on the other hand, we can choose to be encouraging, building up, or strengthening. We should ask ourselves, which produces the greater good? Which gives people a little glimpse of heaven? We all have time to do it, 
We can give a person a word of encouragement. Um, if you've been to the Fresh Encounter prayer meetings, one of the things that Pastor Aaron does is gives a prompts. And these prompts are ways to help us get started. Because at the prayer meeting, it might not be something that we always do is prayer verbally in front of people. So he says things to help us get started. A prompt might sound like, thank you, Lord, because I'm most fearing when. Thank you, Lord, for helping me to feel good at times like. Those are prompts. Well, I'm going to throw you some prompts right now. Encourage someone. I'd like you to do it this morning if you can. Give a smile. Say hello. Introduce yourself. Ask a name. Write an email. Write a letter. Send a card. Shake a hand if you know them well enough. Give a hug of encouragement. Ask how they are. Learn how they are. And when they tell you, speak to them in encouragement and with the joy of the Lord. Let's pray. Oh, and and the encouragement today, be an encourager today. Father, thank you for drawing us together, giving us your scripture. There's so much that you've shown us through your word. Thank you for the people that wrote about it so that we could read it, so that we could be encouraged, so that we could tell others, so we could share joy, so we could share the life with you that we have. Father, we pray that you would strengthen us through our day and help us to also encourage others. In your name we pray, amen.